I'm on 4th of July. <laughs> the city's sewage backed up into our units, so I like had just was literally cleaning up poop, but it was okay because I actually the whole time was if you're going to do something that's terrible, you might as well just be intoxicated on the presence. Like it just makes everything better. You can be cleaning poop, you can have stuff spewing at your face, and if Jesus is inside of you, you can still have a good day. So it was still a good happy 4th of July. So, <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk to us um, about, um, we've, we've kind of been on a theme, and it all started with Pentecost. Um, Pentecost was, I don't know, three, four Sundays ago. I don't even, today's Sunday, yeah. So um, three or four Sundays ago, and, and Pentecost Sunday. And to me, Two convictions in my heart that have just been burning is being people of his presence and being family. And I believe it's those two things that are the one-two punch of, of, of heaven. I don't know. I, I believe those two things are so important is being a people of his presence and being family. And I think it's actually the presence that actually makes us family. And so... When you look at Pentecost, Pentecost was actually the birthing of the church. It was the birthing of the family of God. And so, ever since Pentecost um, Sunday, I think Daniel preached, I wasn't here, and then we've just been on this consistent, consistent theme of family. And, uh, and so I wanted to continue that theme and, and talk about what makes us family, and, and I believe what makes us family is His presence. And so, if you look at Acts, um, you can turn your Bible to Acts uh, 1.14, um, and then I'll go to 2. But um, it says that all the, because Jesus, right, Jesus had died on the cross, and the disciples thought, Our, my life is over, right? They're like, dude, they had no lives before him. They gave everything away, and then the one person that was everything to them died. And Jesus says, hey, Guys, it's actually better for you that I leave because I'm going to send my presence. So this is the context. Obviously, they had a couple encounters with Jesus, and, they, and Jesus told them to wait for the promised one, the gift of the Holy Spirit, okay? So we read the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we have a context as to what Jesus is talking about, yeah? But the disciples have no idea. All they know is this is going to be better than Jesus with us here on earth, we need to get together in a room and pray. And so that's what they did. They pray, and it says that they were of one mind, in one accord, and they prayed for 10 days. Just, like, could you imagine? Like, <laughs> I'm just thinking if I were them, like, so much of this we of the Bible gave yeah, context for so many things, but they had no context, right? So they're just praying, and, and some of us have our, our, our spiritual things that we do when the Holy Spirit comes in, and I do the same thing. Maybe we do a little, you know, whoa, the presence, you know? Maybe we have a little shake. Maybe we, maybe we dance. Maybe we get on our knees. But, but just so you know, the disciples are just praying, and as they're praying, it says this is what happens in, in verse 2. Um, on the day of Pentecost uh, was being fulfilled. All the disciples were gathered in one place. 
Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. So could you imagine? No context, you're just praying. Remember, they were praying over one thing. God, all we know is this. You're sending something. We want more of you. <laughs> it's pretty crazy what the, the, you know, we pray this prayer all the time. More God. <laughs> more God. <laughs> more God. We prayed more God for this church, and here we are now. And I think <laughs> in my life, I used, when I first encountered the Holy Spirit, uh, I had a group of guys that we ran together. We started this group called More, and it was called M-O-R, Men of Revival. And all we did was pray that one prayer, is more God. And sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> like sometimes you don't know, you know, when you're praying more God that in his mind he has something maybe totally different than what you had in mind, right? Like the goal wasn't to start a church here. The goal was more God, right? <laughs> the, 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 the disciples didn't know what to expect. They didn't have an expectation of a fire coming up above their head, and then all of a sudden they're like, like, you know, like they didn't have that expectation of what this thing would look like, but then all of a sudden this wind just whoosh, and then fire, and then it's like, ah, and they're screaming in tongues. <laughs> like, we're like, okay, cool, that's awesome. <laughs> but when you really think about it, it's wild. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> so when you're in, see, this is, the, this is the heartbeat of the house, and I believe this is the heartbeat if you're in this house, is more God. <laughs> we don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it sounds like. We don't know what it tastes like. We don't know where the heck this thing is going, but more God. And that's what I love about this group of people, is that the one thing we want, we have, just to be honest, we have no idea where this is all going. If, so, <laughs> Daniel, would you agree with me? We have, we have no idea where this thing is going. Like, you're like, we know. You, <laughs> we can tell. But we, there's no, there's no, like, we just don't know. <laughs> All we know is we're said yes to him. And that's what the disciples' heart is, is they're not thinking what's next. All they're thinking is, God, we got to have more of you at any cost. More of you at any cost. More of you at any cost. And so 10 days, boom, Holy Spirit hits. And what I love about this is, is, first off, do you guys realize we don't have to wait? Like, we don't have to wait to step into His presence? Like, like let me, I'll read something, but before I do, when, you know, when we're singing up here, Holy Spirit's not in this back room over there, and Jesus isn't rubbing His shoulders saying, all right, Warming, warming up Holy Spirit so he can jump into the room. He's not like, okay, you got this. When she hits that note right there, I want you just to go into the room and I want you to touch people. And Jesus is like, you can do it. I believe in you, Holy Spirit. Like, that's not what's going on. Do you realize that? <laughs> do you realize us stepping into his presence is us stepping into his presence? He's already here. 
He's already here. And that's amazing. This is amazing. You guys ready? If, if we could get this one verse, or this, this little section right here, when you step, you'll, well, if you get this passage right here, you will constantly be in his presence. So let me read it. You guys ready? Maybe you should warm up your own shoulders. Okay. You, you warmed up? Okay. Good, Pastor Mary. I'm glad you are. This one's for you. No, I'm just kidding. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly with no hesitation. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn into two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free, everyone say free, free. and fresh, fresh. Access, access to him. Yeah. Now let me ask you, was your name in that passage at all? What was, was the condition of you entering into that free, fresh access, were you a part of that condition in there? You guys are looking at me like a trick question. No, you were not. It says by his body and his blood, you come in to this realm, into the holy place. Do you realize that in the Old Testament, there was constantly sacrifices being done to enter into the holies of holies. One person could go in, and that was the priest. And the priest had to make sure all of these stipulations were done right and off. So he would go into the holies of holies and he'd have a rope attached to his leg. And if he wasn't in his right condition, he could fall and die in the presence of God. And they would have a bell attached to him. And as long as the bell was ringing, then they would know he was good. But if they stopped hearing the bell, then they'd pull him out and get another priest in the room. Do you guys realize through the blood of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross, we get to enter into that holy of holy place, boom, just like that, by faith. Let me tell you, these songs where you're like, okay, like we start singing and you're like, okay, I'm starting to feel it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You realize that's just you building up your faith to where you have confidence to step into the presence of God. But if you realize you already had complete access to that, it wouldn't take a couple warm-up songs to finally get in the flow. You would be in the flow. You're in the flow. And the flow is this, that you, he's made a way for you. Like, he's made a way for you. Like, <laughs> I believe if we believe this to the full extent, we would be toast. Like, we would be good for nothing. Like, we would walk so full of Jesus because we realize he's given us complete access into the most precious place of his heart. So believe it or not, Holy Spirit's, if Jesus isn't giving Holy Spirit a massage in the back for him to jump in the room and come up and be Mr. Hero, what's happening is we're building our faith to believe what Jesus has actually done. But if we realize what he's done and walk all the time, we have this fresh access that is so amazing and so beautiful. <laughs> oh, Jesus, thank you. And so, boom, Holy Spirit hits in, in Pentecost. And, um, and from that place, Peter comes out and they all, you know, everyone hears this loud sound. 
Could you imagine? This thing must have sounded crazy because everyone stopped what they did and they came to the location where they thought they heard the sound. And here the disciples are, and the disciples start preaching the gospel. And as they preach the gospel, everyone's freaking out because they're like, they're speaking in my own native tongue. They're like, what the heck? And so everyone's hearing the gospel in their own language. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, 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 and so it says all the different people. It says that, let me just name off some of the people. So there was Northeastern Iranians, Northeast, uh, Northeastern Iranians, Northwestern Iranians, Lamanites and those Mesopotamia, a lot of words that I can't read, um, Turkey, like all these, I mean, there's like a list of this many different people who are all there hearing the gospel in their own language. And so what I'm trying to say is that so often I think we're trying, uh, how do I say it? I think so often we use words to convey the gospel, but it's actually the Holy Spirit that speaks to the human heart, that changes realities. Like, you got to think about this. These are not just people with different languages. These are people with different beliefs. These are people with different ideals. It's like a loud sound came and all the Republicans, all the Democrats, all the Independents, every ethnicity came together and they heard the gospel and all of their hearts were changed. How does that happen? It comes from the presence. It comes from His presence changing and transforming our lives. I love His presence. You know, the the last, and and you got to actually see this. These were people, so Peter gets up and preaches the gospel and these people are torn at heart and they said, we just killed the Son of Man. Like these were people who put Jesus on the cross and were cursing him and all of a sudden, boom, Holy Spirit hits them, convicts their heart and it says that 3,000 people were added to them that day. (laughs) It's the presence that transforms lives. It's the presence that gathers people from every nation and it actually gathers them under one King and one Lord, Jesus Christ. People's hearts are longing for this, for the presence. I believe this, I believe Acts is actually a restoration of what happened at the Tower of Babel. Do you guys know about the Tower of Babel? So, uh, I don't have my, I'm supposed to bring my other Bible. I'll read it real quick. So if you will turn to uh, Genesis uh, 11, verse 1. So this is in the Old Testament, and starting in verse 1, now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they were found, uh, that they found a, sorry, my phone is like messed up. Um, I think I can get it in the land of Shinar and settled there. They came to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They came, or they said, come let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will uh, reach into heaven and 
Let us make for ourselves a name, otherwise we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have, they have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there, come, let us go down there and confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and there and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. So, bear with me. So, if you can think about this. You have all these people gathering with the same language and the same mind. It's very much worded in the same way that it was worded in Acts. They had the same mind and the same purpose. But their purpose was this, that they were going to build a tower that would reach up to heaven to get closer to God. Why did God not want this? Because it was never our ability to get to God. It was about His ability to come to us. So you have to hear, here they are, and God's looking at them, and he's saying, if they are to do this, it will be possible for them to do it. Therefore, I have to scatter them abroad, because it can't be about what they do to get to me. It's got to be what I, got to, what I will do to get to them. And so we have to realize, so then you see Acts, and Jesus comes down, and God comes to earth. God comes to earth rather than man going to heaven, Right? God comes to earth, and once God comes to earth, then all of man is gathering around. The disciples are gathering what Jesus had done for them, and, he's, and then they're praying for this promised one. And what is this promised one going to do? It is going to unify them around this man named Jesus. It's going to unify them, and his presence is going to come over them so that they're never separated from him. And what happens, all of their languages, even their language in this verse, is all, everyone hears their language in, in their own native tongue. It's a redemption of Tower of Babel because they were being unified over what God had done for them rather than what they could do to get to God. And that's what I'm reading in Hebrews. We have to understand that the presence doesn't come because we read our Bible all week. The present doesn't come because we fast. The presence doesn't come because we sing worship songs. The presence comes because Jesus has made a way for us to step into it. We have to realize that because if we don't, then what we do is we find ourselves working for God rather than receiving from God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And when we work to try and please God, we get into this thing called religion. And it exhausts you and it tires you out. Our cup should always be full. Because He's always full. <laughs> He's never lacking. And when we get centered around what Jesus has done for us, and our access point is through that place, we will remain in His presence. Always. And so, 
And so because of this, you know, in, he, in, in Ephesians 4.3, see, the presence is what actually unifies us. I'm going to read Ephesians 4.3. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Say the unity of the Spirit. In the bond of peace, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Man, that's powerful. You notice it says the unity of the spirit. We have division in the body when we forget that we have one Father. When we forget we have one baptism. When we forget we have one faith. Forget there's one body. One faith. One God. One Father. One body. You want to know what the most powerful species, does anyone know what the most powerful species is on earth? Dog. <laughs> nice fish. No? It's really small. Boom. An ant. So an ant is the most powerful species on the earth. And in fact, an ant outnumbers us a million to one. And so the reason why they say ants are so powerful is because they operate as a superorganism. So because ants are so powerful, like I, uh, you know, I read this, the verse in Song of Solomon where it's like, uh, it says something about you sluggard study the ant or something like that. So I was like, you know what? I want to study the ant. So I started studying the ant and, uh, and it's fascinating because a super organism would be like our body. Our body's made of many organisms, but we have one body. But the way that ants function is like a superorganism, and that's why actually they are so successful. Because the way, there is different types of species of ants, but generally how ants operate is there's one queen. And so the queen reproduces all the ants within her colony. And every ant has its own scent as to, like, each colony would have its own scent that they carry. So, you know your own scent, right? So, hopefully your scent's good. Um, <laughs> but um, every ant has its own scent. And so, if it were to smell a different ant from another colony, like if an ant, another ant were to wander off, it would easily know, oh, this isn't one of ours. And typically, it would kill it. So, um, so ants, they... They all have one queen, and from the queen, they get their identity. There's workers, there's like battlers, there's uh, gatherers, there's all these different roles, and each one knows its own role. And so the way that they communicate is also through their smells. So it's weird. They release these things called pheromones. And so what they do is they they have this smell that they release and they communicate. And the way that they communicate is they'll, they'll release their scent, but they, ants always travel like bumping into each other. And they bump into each other, and as they bump into each other, they spread the scent all throughout the colony. So it's so fascinating because 
You know, like if I was like, hey, there's a breadcrumb over there, then I'm like, there's something, I don't know what they do, but <laughs> look like a skunk or something. But <laughs> they release the scent, and then as they walk amongst each other and they rub up against each other, they release that scent, and then based upon your role, you would come and help or you would come and do, you know, the other ants might be doing something to prepare itself for what the next, whatever their role is. And so, <clears throat> and so it's so interesting because um, with the way that I see the Holy Spirit works is so similar to these pheromones, you know? It's like, how many of you guys know we all have the Holy Spirit? And it says, these are the sons of, and daughters of God, those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And so we all have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we have one Father, right? Ants have one queen. We're also called, we should be a super organism. Why? Because we're the hands and the feet in the body of Christ, yeah? So if, if God is our Father and the Holy Spirit lives within us and He's able to direct us from within and we all have different pieces within this body, then we should be operating, I mean, we should be the most amazing thing on earth. And, and I believe, you see, like I said, there's one ant, though, that has a similar scent to every other ant, and they're the most successful ant. And I think, it's the, I think it's the carpenter ant, or it's something along those lines. So the carpenter ant, because it has a similar scent of every other ant. Sorry, it's been a while since I actually studied this, so I'm a little bit rusty on everything I'm saying. But, um, <clears throat> but because the scent is so familiar to every other ant, the carpenter ant can go to other colonies without being detected by another colony and, and they won't kill them. And so because of this, carpenter ants have like spread all over the world. And so I find it so fascinating because how many of you guys know, I read my favorite verses right now in Romans 8.14, it says that the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. So if we have the Holy Spirit within us, how many of you guys know that wherever we go, we're supposed to release sonship and daughtership over other people. We're supposed to grab the orphan and say, hey, you have a father who loves you. But if we don't realize that and we don't carry the Holy Spirit, wherever we go, what we carry is, is, is doctrines or denominations and it's teachings of men. And instead of carrying the Holy Spirit, the, the, the one who makes God's fatherhood real to us. So wherever we go, it doesn't matter if someone doesn't know Jesus. If I am carrying the presence of God, something should provoke their heart and say, wow, what is that? Why? Because they're feeling the, 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 the Father calling them in. And it says that the Holy Spirit testifies to my spirit that I'm a child of God. So if we carry the Holy Spirit, His presence should be ushering into people and saying, hey, you're a child of God. 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 He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And when we carry, am I making sense? Okay, I feel like I'm a little bit everywhere. But 
if we're carrying his presence everywhere we go, the presence that makes his fatherhood real to us, then we're calling the orphans home. But if we're not carrying his presence, instead we're carrying religion, which is works that get us to God, what we'll do instead of drawing people into God, we'll say, hey, you got to do this, this, and this. You got to do this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. So you can't be a part of this tribe because you're not doing this. Religion pushes people away, right? Religion pushes people away. Jesus went after the, the prostitutes, the crazy messed up people where the religious people pushed them away. Why? Because they didn't have the works that the the Pharisees had. But it's not the works that qualify you as a child of God. It's the presence that testifies you're a child of God. And you get to receive the presence as a free gift. So it's not about anything that you can do. It's something that you were given. So what do we do? Everywhere we go, we release the presence of God. We release the presence of God. And the presence of God testifies to every nation, tribe, and tongue that says you're a child of God. You're a child of God. And so my heart for for us as a body is that we carry His presence. And it's His presence that actually makes us family. Because it's what gives us unity is the unity of the Spirit. You see, so often in church, we think we have to agree to have unity. If you can only have unity over agreement, then you're not have the unity of the Spirit. You actually have witchcraft. (laughs) It's called manipulation. If I have to make you agree with everything that I say to have unity with you, then I'm always going to try and change your mind to get you to believe what I believe so that we can go after the same thing. That's not okay. (laughs) We wonder why there's division, brokenness, is because we're not unifying over the unity of the Spirit. We're unifying over what we agree about. You don't have to agree with me. You can disagree with me. Like Daniel said, I love it. You can argue with me. You can yell at me. It's okay. I love you. (laughs) Family is family because we have the same Father. We're one body. We're one faith. We're one baptism. What if the body was that? (laughs) What if the body was that? What if we were one body? This whole earth was one body. That's Jesus' prayer. Father, I pray that they would be one as I am one, as you and I are one. Instead of the world looking at church and saying, wow, I don't want to be a part of that because all I see is pain and hurt, the world should say, wow, I see that and I see people, yeah, they, they sometimes hurt each other, but they love each other. What is that about these people? I believe it's the thing that Jesus wants to restore is his presence to his body and family. It's family. And so what I love, and I always see this, um, I'm a youth pastor in, in TRC, and my favorite thing to see is, is you know, we, we do summer camp every year, and kids usually show up like this, like, uh, like, like they're too cool, you know, like, 
like they have their hands crossed and, and everything. And, and I remember it was my first year and I just literally first year as a youth pastor, I jumped in to summer ca camp as like the first thing that we did. And we at the same time offered like to the whole, a lot of the community to come to summer camp. So you had a lot of people who didn't really know Jesus, but they came to summer camp. And I don't even know a lot of these kids because I'm new. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is going to be fun. So <laughs> anyways, I think it was like the first or second night, we had one kid who pulled aside a girl and like made out with her in the woods. And then the brother was there of the sister, and he found out. And then he went and like socked the dude in the face. And so... <laughs> Summer camp. <laughs> so anyways, so I like don't hear about this because I'm away doing something else and, and it's just madness. And then like this other girl who, uh, it was a mess. There were like five other things that happened. But anyways, so these dudes come into worship and, and this dude's hand is like completely swollen and I think was broken from punching this kid so hard in the face. And they're in worship and you know, they're like doing this, like, and all of a sudden the presence of God comes, right? <laughs> Everything changes when the presence comes. And so these kids go from like this, and then at the end of the meeting, the other dude, now let me tell you, like, these are country kids, like, like, you know, you get a handshake out of them at most, you know, like, they're not like these, you know, huggy lovey kind of guys, you know? And so at the end of the service, though, the presence of God comes and the other one's hugging the other one like this and his hand gets healed and Jesus redeems and restores the whole situation. So <laughs> I say that because every single time I see it, it's like these kids, they're like, oh, I'm too cool for school. Then the presence of God comes and all of a sudden they're like crying, they're a mess, they're hugging each other, they're loving each other. What happens? The presence of God comes. When the presence of God comes, what happens is he's called the comforter. So he actually makes you comfortable in your own skin. He makes you become, be yourself and be who he created you to be, which in return allows you to love other people. I believe when we steward his presence, what happens is this place becomes family. And it becomes family because we get centered around one truth. We have one father, one faith, one baptism. And the cool thing about that is, is because he lives inside of all of us, he's constantly, the Bible says, that his spirit is like the wind. You don't know where it's going. But if you have his presence, you catch his wind. And, and so it's so beautiful as the presence of God rests in a place, what actually happens is this body becomes an organism. And if I see that something's going on over here, all of a sudden the presence takes me over here and then we're ministering to one another and we're ministering to God and He's making us become one body and become a whole unit so that we can not only love each other but love the world around us. Like my heart burns for this. This isn't a far out thing. Like this is, what would it look like if Crucis got touched and blasted by the Holy Spirit? Like this actually happened. 
Think about all the refugees, all the different people and all the different beliefs and them hearing one gospel in their own language. What is that one language? It's the language that touches their heart. It's the love of God. So, my heart is is that we become, I think we, we are, I just, there's more, right? There's always more. A people of His presence who are family. And I believe the first start of that is people of His presence. Because the presence actually unifies us over one person and one man. And when we're unified over one man, we become one body. And so I believe the first step in that is realizing this. In order to step in to this, we don't need to do anything. We need to receive something. It goes back to Hebrews 10. You have access to this right now, right here. The Father's not withholding anything he has is yours. You see, I believe the reason why so often the church hasn't become a family is because it has actually operated as an orphanage. And the reason why I've shared this before it operates as an orphanage is because we're trying to get our access to God based upon our works. And therefore, if my works are better than other people, then Guess what? I'm the orphan who gets all the attention. Here I am. And if I elevate my works above somebody else, then I make them feel worse so that I can have more time with the Father. <laughs> it's a scary thing when a pastor's the head of those works, right? What I'm saying is that's never was the intention of church. The intention of church was this is that you have complete access to God based upon nothing that you do. So if we all have that same access to His presence, then guess what? We can all step into it. And now it's no longer about, it's no longer about what you do. It's about what He did. And if we realize it's what about, it's what about He has done, then happens is no longer are we an orphanage we're a family because we realize who our father is and because we have all have the same amount of access to him you see the division happened even in first corinthians 1 12 they're arguing i'm of apollos no i'm of this no i'm of this and then paul's like, bro you guys aren't of anybody but jesus and he gave them up you know like you're of Jesus. You're one family. And so, I'm going to land this plane. But, <laughs> but when we realize we're one family, I talked about this last time. How many guys, because we're one family, we actually have different functions. The Bible says one's a hand, one's a foot, one's an eye. Everyone has a different role, right? We all have a different role, but it's still one body. And so if we realize we all have different roles and we're of one body. What we can, what we can do is, is, you know, we talked about the ant thing and the scent, you know, and how they release scents and smells to lead each other different directions. We need each other is what I'm saying. 
One ant is puny. It has no power. I mean, it, it really has no ability on its own. Like, think about what an ant can do. But now think about millions of ants. They have this whole ecosystem that's thriving. They realize, I'm, they're a powerful as a whole. Actually, ants get lost if they don't continually staying rubbing up against each other because they don't transfer the scent. And so what I'm saying is, is this, is we all have a different role. And a lot of times you hear like, <clears throat> how many guys have heard the gift of discerning of spirit? Spirit. Now listen, I love what Chris Valentin says. He says, that's not just so that you can discern what's of evil, but it's actually so you can discern like a piece of it, a small piece, but even what's more important is that you're able to discern what the Holy Spirit is doing. So if I can see Jacob just carries so much favor in his life and he just walks so much in the Father's, uh, just like his, like a, a faith of the Father and, and, and I see that in him. Guess what I can do? Let me go rub up against Jacob and all of a sudden the scent that he's carrying gets on me and now I'm carrying that scent. See, if we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and we have one Father, we can get our inheritance from the Father because we see it upon somebody else. But if we're orphans, I can't receive anything from anybody because that means they got that because they got that. But if it's all from our one Father, then we realize we all carry different gifts and graces on our life. But if I can recognize what each one carries, then I can go get that from them and I can actually become more and more like Jesus because I know a bunch of people who look like Jesus. Amen. And it's all from the Father. But the Father also gave us some and some other people some. And we're supposed to operate as a body so that we can become one whole unit. Ah, I'm just pumped. Because for me... Does, do you guys realize it says that everything has been given to us? That it says it was the Father's good pleasure to give His Son so that we might have everything that He has? You realize Jesus isn't withholding something from you? <laughs> right now, what can we step into? Right now. I actually want to worship one more time. And, and I want us, if that's okay, um, I want us to step into something new. Listen, if, if, if the Father's pleasure is to give us everything, what do you need? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> if the table is open right now, what are you hungry for? <laughs> I promise you Jesus wants to give it to you because that's his desire for us. But I want us to I want to read Hebrews 10 and and this is the the lens that I want to approach it from in Hebrews 10. This is this is this this is the trampoline that's going to take us into the more, okay? You guys ready? Close your eyes if you will. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because 
of the blood of Jesus, and he welcomes us to come right into, let me repeat that again, and he welcomes us to come right into, let me say that again, and he welcomes us to come right into, <laughs> he doesn't say hesitate, tiptoe, he says come right into, the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and with no hesitation. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. So Jesus, I just pray right now, it doesn't matter if someone came in this room and hasn't thought of you for 10 years. Right now, they have just as much access to you as anybody else in the room. And so, Father, I pray for a confidence to arise, not in anybody's works, but in the work of the cross, for us to step into the holy sanctuary what anybody needs that their heart is hungry for, you say, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So Jesus, we come to your throne boldly. Allow us to eat and drink from whatever we need from your table. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just want to invite you, however you want to come before that throne right now, come. Just don't hesitate. <laughs>